This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c everyone. Welcome to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mona, where each week I hope to educate and inspire you in your journey through parenthood with information on your most common concerns as a parent and interviews with fellow parents and experts in the field. My hope is you leave each week feeling more educated, confident, and empowered in the decisions you make for your child. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode where I have Brooke and Bridget, who are sisters and speech therapists, and we are going to be talking all about talking. Welcome, Brooke and Bridget. Thank Hi, you. Thank you. Hello. So I'm so glad you guys are here. I have really enjoyed this podcast because I can bring on so many amazing people that work with children. And obviously, speech therapy is an extremely important aspect of pediatric medicine. So describe a little bit about why you chose to be speech therapists um, and a little bit about your business and your Instagram, Speech Sisters. Sure. Okay, so this is Brooke. I chose to get into the field of speech and language pathology because I started off as a special education teacher and I just loved working with that population and I decided to specialize a little further and went back to grad school for speech, which I love. Yeah, and this this is Bridget and <laughs> I also started speech language pathology because I had worked with children who have autism. I was a behavioral therapist and I worked with a few speech and language pathologists and decided to also go into this field for that reason. Amazing. And you guys obviously own your own, uh, basically practice for as a speech therapist. And you also have the Instagram account speech sisters. So, um, tell me more about the services you provide on your Instagram and website. Yeah, yeah. We started a private practice here in California in 2012, and we worked a lot with early intervention clients, and we got a lot of referrals from pediatricians in our area. We started specializing in helping parents get involved in helping their children who were late to talk. So we put our heads together and thought about how could we help more parents? You know, rather than going home to home, um, how could we reach more families with the tips and tricks that we provide with our clients, you know, in the private practice? And that's kind of how Speech Sisters came about. So we decided to create an Instagram account. And at first, I think we just had a very small vision and slowly but surely it came together. And 
here we are with, you know, 50,000 followers and uh, two online courses, and it's really taken off. And we've helped so many families and parents become a little more confident in their child's speech and language development. I, I love it. And that's exactly why I wanted you guys on, because I have I found your account. You were on Good Morning America also. Let's not forget that. Yeah, which is super cool. <laughs> super cool. Um, during their Insta Parenting Week or two weeks that they had, which is awesome. Yeah. But, um, you know, for me as a pediatrician, I obviously know child development in terms of speech, motor, fine motor, whatever it may be. But we really, really utilize our speech therapists for so many reasons. And it's not I think there's a misconception, and that's why I'm glad you guys are on. There's a misconception that kids who receive speech therapy, there's some sort of label that's a negative label. And I really want parents to understand that receiving therapies, speech, um, PT, OT, it's actually important for the child if they need it to receive it. As a pediatrician, I commonly, you know, get parents who are hesitant and they're like, well, if I go to speech therapy, then that means that I have this, you know, like I said, label or whatever. And I really want us to educate families and under, for them to understand that seeing a specialist, seeing a speech therapist, seeing whatever specialist you need to see is a beneficial thing and it's not a negative thing. So I am so glad y'all are here because this is what I want to educate these families about. That's great. Thank yeah, you. we agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. So along those lines, you know, as I said, I am a pediatrician and I do see milestones and that is the bread and butter of a being of being a general pediatrician. But there's sure. one thing that I know we wanted to talk about, which is your your input and your recommendations when you hear because I know it happens. I've I've been guilty of doing it, too. And I want to have an honest discussion about it when we say to a family, you know what, let's wait and see. So the wait and see approach with speech. What are your concerns with wait and see? Yes. So we don't disagree with wait and see because in many cases, a toddler doesn't really need speech therapy. They do just need more time. However, our concern is that then the parent, you know, goes home, they return to normal life and they literally just wait and see Mm -hmm. what happens in six months. So our philosophy is that during that wait and see time, which we completely agree with and think is great, we feel like in some cases, yes, in some cases, right, exactly. Uh, But we want parents to have a set of tools that they can use to be proactive um, about how they can get their child communicating. So, you know, that's yeah, I, yeah. I think that it's just very important for parents if to, I, it's really to know whether to move forward with speech therapy if a child isn't meeting the milestones, um, if a child's not understanding language, not following directions, and they're not using you know meeting the expressive language milestones and using any words maybe we don't want to wait and see. Um, But I think what Brooke was saying is that wait and see approach for kids who appear to be understanding language, they have, you know, positive, happy engagement and interactions with their parents, but they're just not using as many words as they should. In those cases, wait and see, you know, uh, many times it it is okay. And those kids do catch up. Um, We just want parents to have like Brooke said, a set of tools that they can use and implement during that time. Yeah, that that is beautiful because I, you know, my concern with, um, you know, the wait and see from the perspective of speech therapists, PTs, OTs, commonly, you guys don't do this, but I commonly get, you know, 
even on my Instagram, hey, why, you know, you should, you should get evaluated in our perspective. And I'm so glad you guys, you guys are, have this sort of mentality in our perspective as pediatricians, we do the wait and see. And it's not that wait and see and not do anything. Like you said, I think the pitfall that pediatricians fall into and including myself is that we don't get enough time with our patients a lot of the time to explain all the little things that you guys as speech therapists are able to do, right? So that is a perfect thing that you said, that it's not wait and see and wait and go back to watching an iPad. It's not. It's what can we do to engage our children in all aspects of development? And I really love the way you guys talk about the wait and see, because that is exactly what I want to do as a pediatrician too, right? With my, my Instagram and as, as a you know, doctor in my office, because I find that I agree. And I, I see it happen with my colleagues that they'll say, okay, no, don't worry. Just, you know, continue talking to your child. But how do you talk to your child? How do you engage them? And that is where you all are coming in and we're going to talk about. So my next question is what can parents do in the wait and see period, in terms of just kind of general um, recommendations, you know, if you kind of want to speak about, we can do this, like, maybe the under one crowd we can do first, and then talking about kids between the ages of one and two, just some tips that parents can do to engage speech while they wait and see. Sure. Absolutely. So this is exactly why we created one of our online courses. It's called The Late Talker. Um, And it's for these kiddos that are 15 months to 36 months and late talkers. They understand language, but they're just not talking yet. And so for that, you know, again, that crowd, which would be between anywhere between one and say three, uh, we recommend a couple of our strategies that we really promote and teach in our course. One being repeat, repeat, again and again and again and again (laughs) over and over (laughs) until you can't repeat anymore. This is critical. Kids need to, children, toddlers need to hear words many, 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 many times before they can say them themselves. Mm -hmm. And also like when you are repeating them, saying them in context. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, pouring coffee in the morning and holding your baby, you might say, Poor, poor as you're actually doing it. Or if you have a banana in your hand, you say banana as you're holding the banana to really bring meaning to life and repeating those words. Exactly. Another super important strategy that is very hard, and it's hard as a parent, it's hard as a therapist, it's it's hard for us. It's really hard. It's waiting. So giving your child time to talk because often we don't think to do that. We talk and talk and talk and talk. And it is good to talk. You want to talk. You want to model the language, but you also want to give them some time to be able to get a word in as well. So an example would be like if they're trying to say dog and they're going duh, and you basically just let them say dog without trying to finish their sentence. Yeah. Or let's say you're repeating the word, right? You're repeating something again and again, like that first strategy we were highlighting and you're saying dog, dog. If you don't stop there and have a five-second moment of silence, how's your child going to have the opportunity to say dog? But it's funny. We tell parents, wait five seconds. That is a long, it feels like a long, silent pause. It's very weird. So we don't do it. It's not natural for us as parents or human beings, but kids need it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. 
As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And then the third, uh, we talk a lot about facing your baby or your toddler. So really getting on their level eye to eye so that they can see you, they can watch your mouth as you produce words and sounds. Um, It builds more understanding and overall just helps that engagement and the interaction and facilitates communication. Yeah. And during, you know, daily routines, making sure you face your child and get on their level, but also during reading, which as parents, we all do is read to our child. So many times we'll, and we talked about this on GMA, uh, we asked, how do you read to your child? And most people say they face their child outward and hold a book and they're both facing in the same direction. But we tell parents, spin your baby around so that they can see you and so that they can see your face. Mm -hmm. And then you can, your baby can watch your mouth as you're saying words and you can look and see what your baby is looking at in the book, which is so important because if your baby is looking at the moon and good night moon, then you want to point and say, moon. So that's another helpful tip. Yeah. I'm getting a little emotional because I do this with Ryan and I, I like the, what the last one you just mentioned the during reading, having them face you. Um, and I, in pictures when like, if people, you know, take a picture with their kid reading, you are right that it's usually facing like they're both parallel and facing the same way out. And I was like, why are people, I don't know if maybe people, that's how people read, but I'm like, I like looking into his eyes and it, yeah. you are so right that even in infancy, like seeing his eyes light up when I, he loves this book, um, Green Peas 
Little Green Peas. Aww. I don't know if you guys know this book. I didn't know. No. It's, it's an adorable book and it's about colors and these little peas and they're green, obviously. But when, when I when I read this book, he loses his mind of happiness and he and you look and he's only four months, right? And I look into his eyes and I like have the book kind of to the side and I'm like looking at him. It is such a beautiful thing. And like you said, it's not even just for speech, it's for emotional connection with the kids. Yes. So, and that's that's a whole part, another part of development. And that's why I love, you know, talking to you guys and following your page because all the stuff that you guys talk about in speech therapy is also so critical for emotional bonding, right? Getting on their level, facing them, waiting to speak. It's parenting 101. So I I love it. So sorry, continue. I just had to add that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was for the, you know, one to two year old crowd. But yeah. for our little guys, um, we want to make sure we are talking to our babies and, and for our older kids. Yeah. Too. It really applies to, it applies to all. to all ages, but from the beginning, talk to your baby. I mean, even in utero, talk to your baby. Um, and we, you know, in our courses and, and on Instagram, we talk about how to talk to your baby. So we don't want to talk a mile a minute and say, Oh, we're walking down the stairs because I have to get out of the house and get to the coffee place. And you know, you don't want to say uh, overload them with too many words. You want to keep it short and sweet and simple. And then it's also about the manner in which you talk to them. And that leads us to our next tip. Exactly. So there's something called parent ease or mother ease or infant directed speech. Some people call it baby talk. Um, But there is a right way to use this type of baby talk in in a not right way. So, you know, we don't want to we don't want to express words using the wrong sounds. Uh, we want to talk in this high-pitched, exaggerated speaking style that captures our baby's attention. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give an example? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, this, this is funny because we talked about baby talk on GMA, mm-hmm. and Brooke had to talk about it, and she knew she was going to have to do this in front of, like, Michael and everybody on the set and she's like I am so embarrassed so we would practice and I think you were the one to do it so I think you should do it now (laughs) you know it's I can see your nose yes (laughs) let me get that nose you know and I think Brooke and I we are baby talk warriors I mean we (laughs) I am too guys it is I my husband it drives him nuts because he doesn't like talking from anyone, especially baby talk. He's like, why are you always baby talking? Can I, I know you probably have more to add, but is there an age where you want to stop the baby talking, that pitch? Like a certain age that you would recommend to just switching it to like how me and you are talking? That's a really good question. I kind of feel like it like fades out. Yeah. I'm thinking about Stella. I mean, we have five kids that we have used, you know, mother ease or parent ease with. And Stella's 18 months now. And I absolutely still use it. Maybe not in the same way that I did as she when she was an infant, but I still use that high pitched voice. And not it, all the time. Not all the time. Not all the time. But there are moments, I mean, yesterday, I think on our Instagram story, I was chasing her and I was saying, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you. You know, it is it is that high-pitched voice and it makes them excited, I mean, even into the two-year-old level, right? And from like a, de- I mean, again, adding a pediatrician developmental standpoint, I, like my husband, me and my husband, I'm going to use the example, he 
I, I talked a lot of high pitch at the beginning, especially. And now, like you said, when they're born, they, they, they hear really high pitch sounds and it's just nice for you to like say it high pitched. And then as they get, it's just, it's just comes naturally that you want to yeah. speak like that to them. It's, I don't know how to explain it if you, if you're listening and you don't have a kid yet, but when I'm a, you know, I'm in the office when they're infants, I, I can't not speak baby talk. Like it's, I, especially yeah. when I'm speaking to them. And then you're right. Like as, as they get older, like toddlers, maybe older toddlers too. I feel like, oh, developmentally, they are more capable of speaking to me like like I would, like an older kid. Obviously, yeah. keep it slow. But it's so interesting because you're right. It's almost like you just have to read your kid a little bit and the As, cuteness. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it becomes you know as they become toddlers in the two and three year old stages, it's it's almost like a new kind of baby talk. Yeah, it's not that like super parent ease, but it's not like you would I would talk to Brooke. But you, but there's, you also want to be sure that you, that you are saying words correctly. So that's the, right. you know, that's the takeaway and really the big thing about this is, you know, when they're babies, it doesn't matter as much because they're just, it's really just about that engagement and that interaction. But once they start using real words, you want to use the real word. You want to use the real word and you want to really emphasize the correct yeah. sounds. Yeah. And so there's a time and a place. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I interrupted you. Was that the last kind of big tip? Uh, our final tip is for these little guys again is imitation. So this is so big. It's sort of that like babble, babble back, right? So, you know, how do you get your child to learn to talk? Well, you imitate them to start. Mm-hmm. Um, if they start making cooing sounds or babbling sounds, coo back. Yep, yeah. babble back. If they yeah. babble, you know, if they're going da da da, we say do, say da da da, and people are like, "Well, isn't that wouldn't that be weird because it's not real language?" But it gets that back and and forth reciprocal interaction going, which is so important for early language development. It's really the beginning of conversational skills. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's and it's so interesting that they do it from such a young age. Like it's just fascinating, and that's why I love. Obviously, you can tell I love being a pediatrician. I love when I go in, and the parents are surprised. They're like, "Wow, he's." It seems like he's talking to you. I'm like, "Yeah," because they they're trying to learn, and they want to be talked to. They Absolutely. want to be. They want someone in their face. Kids mm-hmm. want someone in their face because that's yeah. how they learn. They learn through your face. It's awesome. It's a beautiful thing, really. It is. It and is. it's it's such a – like, that's why, I get, like I said I, earlier, I was a little emotional because it's just such a sweet thing to see that happen in infants and in kids. And then you're like, wow, they, they I swear they said hi. I swear, you know, they're blowing bubbles or they're doing all this sort of, you know, using their tongue and their lips. And you're like so proud. It's just such a – awesome thing. And I, I'm sure you guys get excited when you work with families and you get to see that development happen. That must be so rewarding. Oh, it's it the is. best. It is. Yeah. Oh, and you man. know, it's, it's been cool because we, running a private practice, have been able to see it firsthand. But we get DMs of people who are like, that worked. And my baby's saying mama now. And it's just so cool because it's like, we're not even there, but we're able to help these families and these little ones. That is so amazing. And I, you know, the next thing I wanted to ask was like kind of going into lines of, I know you get DMs for your Instagram advice, but in your practice, right? I want to know like what exactly a speech therapy session looks like, how long they last and when you kind of decide that, okay, let's graduate you from speech therapy and you can move on. Sure. 
So generally, you know, a speech therapy session, I would say, goes anywhere between like 40 to 60 minutes. In our practice, we do 50-minute sessions. Um, For early intervention, it's more play therapy uh, where we are, you know, getting down and dirty on the floor and playing with the child. Yeah. We do a lot of child-directed therapy at that age, so really just kind of following, you know, what they're interested in and that that seems to work very well. We also highly encourage parents and caregivers to join in on our speech sessions. And, you know, we just know that the, there's so much prog- more progress to be made when parents and caregivers are involved. Yeah, we always say like, you know, a, a parent is the expert on their own child. Um, so we go into homes so many times and they're like, here, here's my child. Like, can you fix them? And it's like, yes, but we want you and need you to be here to be involved because we're here 45 minutes twice a week and you're with your child all day, every day. So if you don't know what to do when we leave, then this is going to take a long time. Exactly. So, yeah. So, and then, you know, as the kiddos get older in speech therapy, the sessions can go a little longer. Like, like Bridget said, we always do a 50 minute session, but, um, and then in terms of when they're ready to move out of speech it's for the little ones you know when they've when they've hit their milestones and they're on track um it varies you know it's so case by case and depending on what's going on with that specific child it's it's so unique um no child is the same right yeah exactly that's exactly the the point that it's uh, there's different milestones and it's a huge range and it doesn't mean you're behind or better or worse. It just means that you're on your own pace. Just like, just like growth curves at the pediatric office. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, that's awesome. I, you know, I always wondered, you know, how, how it looks like I have started to have to go to um, early intervention for Ryan um, just because of his birth, um, birth history. And I, it's just so fascinating to me as a pediatrician, obviously, going taking my son now because I've always made those referrals, but I've never mm-hmm. seen what it looks like on the other side. So um, obviously we haven't had to go to speech therapy yet. And we, we may not, we don't know yet, but um, in terms of, you know, seeing how those therapies work, it's just, it's really eye opening, And I, I love seeing that perspective. So I love hearing how that session kind of goes. Yes. Awesome. I, I, it is. It's, great. It's, it's neat to, to be on the other side of it. I, I fully get that. Actually, my daughter, this is Brooke talking. Um, mm-hmm. My daughter was diagnosed with epilepsy a few years ago, and she has had some learning issues since then. So, you know, she's in second grade, but when, about a year or so ago, she was put on an IEP and had to go through all this testing. And part of it was speech and language testing. And I'm like, I was on the other end. So I completely yeah. get that where it's extremely eye-opening and uh, really cool to see, you know? Yeah. Now, what I wanted to kind of ask is, um, between, let's talk more between the ages of one and two, because I know that's huge, huge, I mean, language acquisition. Um, I know it happens earlier, but between the ages of one and two, when do you believe children should be referred to a speech therapist? If you want to break that down, however you want to do it in your opinion. Sure. That's such a great question. And it's such a hard question because in these cases, it really does depend on the child and what is going on in the child with the child. So for us, you know, in our private practice and then even now just through Instagram because we get so many DMs a day asking us this very same question. Um, we want to look at the child as a whole and look at kind of every 
thing and every part that is going on with this child. So first things first, we do always want to kind of get some kind of an understanding of their receptive language. So how well are they understanding language? Are they able to follow a very simple command? Um, You know, when they're 12 months old, it's a little bit harder to know that. But usually, you know, maybe they can point to a body part or, you know, where's Dada? Look to Dada. You can start to kind of have an idea as to whether or not they're understanding language. That's really the a big, big piece of the puzzle. Um, Because if they're not understanding language, that gives us a pretty good indication that there might be something more going on and definitely a need to get started with therapy sooner. Um, if they, if a child between the age of one and two is understanding language and their receptive language seems to be completely on track, then we feel a little bit better about that. That tells us that they're probably just a late talker. If expressive is the only area that's they're falling where they're falling behind, then in their understanding, then we think, okay, you know, maybe we can do this wait and see approach. If the parent wants to get on board and work on these strategies at home, maybe we don't need to start speech therapy right away. Uh, generally speaking, with a child who understands language, if their receptive language is average and their expressive language is delayed. We typically start speech therapy anywhere between 18 to 24 months of age. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Usually before 18 months, we we like to unless they're super super delayed right. you know or feeding if it's a feeding issue which we don't take on feeding clients but you know or if a child's globally delayed right. um you know motor and and all of that uh, but typically you know in our private practice i feel like we don't usually start until about 
18 17 18 yeah. months at the earliest because so much is happening until then you know they're and, right it's like between 12 and 18 months there's so much development that occurs and um, usually a big jump happens right around that time so to put a child in at like 13 months if they're only if they're not saying any words it's like it may be premature. Um, but that's why we look at the whole child because if they have other issues going on, other developmental issues, um, history of chronic ear infections, yeah. you know, there's so much to look at. That's great. No, I, I was curious what your guys' perspective because I, the earliest I've actually had to for obviously language is, like you said, around that 18 month mark, unless I'm seeing obvious signs of global delay in terms of, you know, motor skills, fine motor, not, not interactive of any kind. Right. But if it's just speech, then I'm kind of looking and we, like you said, so 18 months makes a lot of sense to me too. It's really nice talking to you guys because you're the, you're honestly the first speech therapist I've ever spoken to, even as a pediatrician, because normally speech therapists don't call us or talk to us. That's true. Yeah. You guys do your own thing. We do our own thing. So this is honestly huge for me too. And I think everyone would really love hearing this because I don't think they know that we don't speak a lot of the times. We obviously take care of the same children and we listen, you know, we get referral notes or whatever it may be, but this is awesome to hear your guys' perspective and especially for my own education and my practice to kind of say, okay, this is something that I was doing or that I'm recommending because you guys are even more specialized in this than I am. So I, I really appreciate that, that comment, that comment about, you know, the timing and stuff. That's super helpful. Yeah. And, and in terms of word amounts or is there, is there, it just varies like, cause I, I find that the word amounts can be a little tricky um, because some kids are showing signs of receptive, you know, language, but they may not have the 20 words or the 50 words. Do you guys like to set word amounts? Uh, it's, yeah. it's so hard. It's, it's so, I don't like it. It's yeah. a loaded question. And I feel we, we actually made a chart on our Instagram um, for this. And the reason we did it is because we want kids, and you know this, obviously, being a pediatrician, we want children meeting the milestones. Now, what parents think, right? So like for 18 months, the milestone is a child saying expressively, and I'm just going to speak on expressive language and that's, you know, talking um, right now. But for expressive language at 18 months, we would want a child saying 10 words. That's the milestone. And at 24 months, it's a milestone of 50 words. However, what I think parents, there's a misunderstanding because parents are like, oh, my child's saying 10 words. They're meeting the milestone. They're, my child's great. And I think oftentimes parents confuse a milestone with an average. So we made this chart showing a milestone is what most children at that age are able to do. So it's great if your child's meeting the milestones. We want them meeting the milestones, but we even want them going beyond that toward more of an average. Um, so it's a spectrum and it's a range, but we want you know them to be in between that that milestone and average range. Exactly. That is a great yeah. That is a great way to to say it because it's it's not a it's not an endpoint. It's an ongoing thing. And when it's like when you give numbers, and I I'm just not a number fan. Like in any aspect of pediatrics, how much should my baby eat? How many words should they say? How much? How much? How many hours should they sleep? I actually like I'm like stop asking how much because everybody's different and and every it doesn't mean 
like there's a quota that we have to meet for sleep or or for words. It's a okay, this is where we're at. We have to look, like you guys said earlier, at the big picture of a kid. Um, how are they doing in terms of understanding one-step commands or two-step commands? And yes. how are they in terms of understanding affection? Are they making eye contact? Are they pointing to get your attention? And it's uh, it's really hard to teach development for that reason on social media. So I give you guys a lot of credit because mm-hmm. you guys do a good job. Like, Thank you. Down those rules, but also making it known that, hey, it's a it's a range and it's a, it's a whole child experience. It's not a, okay, well, this is good. So we're all good. We can move on and that's it. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and too. just making parents feel comfortable. You know, we, we want parents to, if their child's meeting a milestone, we want them to feel comfortable and we want them to feel encouraged that they have the power and the ability to, you know, even bring them beyond that. Um, if they get involved and know, you know, what to do at home. Oh, this is great. Now, oh, we got through so many things. I have just one question that we actually didn't discuss, but um, in terms of uh, bilingual, like a lot of a lot of questions I get about if I teach my baby two languages early on, is it detrimental? Um, I, what are your thoughts about a kid getting spoken to in multiple language when they're an infant or a toddler? Go for it. Yeah, <laughs> we and we get asked this oh, daily. Okay. This is our yeah. every question. Yes. I would say. Yeah, um, we say go for it. It's the research shows that it is beneficial to expose your child to two languages or it, more. It, it, yeah, or more. It does not cause any language delays. Um, yes. And there's different ways to go about it. You know, we actually have two blogs on this on our, our website um, because it's such a popular topic. But we always encourage parents to to go forward with uh, bilingualism. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that's one of our board questions. And when I took the boards is that, you know, a parent is asking and doesn't want to, what is your advice? And you say, speak. Um, Because yeah, there's this misconception. And there's also a misconception that if they are delayed, just say they spoke um, Spanish and English, okay, that if they are delayed, that it's okay, because they spoke two languages. And in some ways, it can be if we're obviously seeing the receptive language, but it's also important to understand that, hey, if there is a delay, we still need to evaluate the delay if it's something that needs speech therapy. Exactly. Yeah. So we always say if your child, it, no matter if your child is, you know, monolingual or bilingual, they should always be meeting the milestone. So remember that milestone is what most kids can do. They should always be meeting that milestone. So like 10 words for 18 months if for a child who speaks Spanish and English that may be a handful of English words and a handful of Spanish words, but they should have 10 words combined in both languages. Amazing. You guys are awesome. (laughs) I'm not surprised, but you guys just speak so beautifully. I mean, it's just, I love it. I can tell the passion for obviously what you do. And that's honestly why I love this podcast so much. And, you know, I've been able to talk to so many amazing a lot of them have been women so far, um, but yeah. I've been able to talk to so many amazing women who are doing such amazing things for children. So thank you. Now, mm-hmm. is there anything, you know, kind of just general kind of advice and closing statements or anything you want to say to all our listeners right now? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, we always say parents have the power. We, yes. Yeah. We just want to make a confident parent of a talkative child. That's our, that's our goal. It's our mission. 
Parents um, have more power than they know, and we are here to show them and encourage them. That's right. Yes. And you, so a little, briefly tell me about um, your two courses. Like, what are they geared towards so that our listeners, um, if they're not familiar with your account, can know a little bit about your courses? Yeah. So our Instagram is at Speech Sisters, and then we offer two courses as well. We have one course for newborns through 14 months, and it's a course called Talk on Track, and it's all about teaching parents how to talk to your baby with the intent of building their language so that they meet speech and language milestones. Um, and so it's kind of a – it's more of a proactive um course. So, you know, no, not therapeutic really at all. It's, mm-hmm. it's proactive and uh, more of an enrichment in just educating and teaching parents, you know, what they can do to get their babies meeting these language milestones. And then our other course is called The Late Talker, and that's designed for 15 months to, thir- to children 15 months to 36 months. And this course is designed for children or for parents who have children who seem to be understanding language but are not using as many words as they should. They're not meeting those those language milestones or maybe they're right there at the milestone and parents want to like bring them closer to the average. Um, and it's more of a – it's a little more therapeutic, our strategies. But what we found is, you know, even just parents that want to continue to boost their toddler's language skills can use all of these strategies. So the Late Talker course is actually – it's a big seller for both kids who are late talkers and who are not because <laughs> the strategies can be used for, for everything. Yeah, we, we teach parents in that course like how to get their child up what we call the language ladder. So getting them to use first words and then getting them to combine two words and then moving into three word phrases and sentences and so on. Um, and we reveal nine speech secrets that you implement within your everyday routines that you're already doing. Because as parents, we do not have time (laughs) to sit down and do speech therapy. That is hard if you're working and you have other kids. So we teach parents how to implement these in the routines, their daily routines. Amazing. I, I loved, loved, loved talking to you guys. I really can't express how grateful I am that you were able to hop on this to record because I think it'll help a lot of people, especially, you know, talking about those tips that you mentioned. And you know, everyone listening, their Instagram has way more of these tips, obviously their courses as well, but they talk about so many just things that you can do in your day just for one minute. It doesn't take a lot of time to do all this stuff. It just, it's just being impactful with the time you have. So that's, uh, that's what I love about your guys's Instagram account, because, you know, you'll talk about narrating, you know, um, your home tour or doing like an apartment tour, um, just talking about stuff that's happening in your home doesn't have mm-hmm. to be anything fancy. And I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank and I think you. once parents get the hang of it, it be, just becomes the new normal. Like you just, that's how you communicate with your baby and you're building their language and you know how to talk to them with the intent of building their language. Awesome. Brooke and Bridget, thank you so much. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and thanks for joining me today. Thanks, thanks for having so us. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, please leave a review, share it with a friend, comment on my social media. And if you're not already, follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram. Love doing this for all of you. Have a great rest of your week. Take care. Talk to you soon.
Are you tired of searching Google and ending up in a rabbit hole at 2 a.m. thinking that you're ruining your kid? Stop and visit pedsdoctalk.com. My website is your new Google with a search feature to search all content that I have that is free or available by purchase. And let me tell you, there are a lot of free goodies there, like free printable PDFs for how to handle a choking incident to milestones to monitor in your kid. My website provides information regarding the health and development of your child, including parenting and sleep. My goal is that you stop those middle-of-the-night searches that lead you nowhere but into the land of anxiety. My goal is to guide you to be the confident and calm parent I know that you are. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and use the magnifying glass to search. Want even more? Make sure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting pedsdoctalk.com newsletter, where you can get the latest and greatest in child health news and parenting tips delivered directly to your inbox. That's pedsdoctalk.com newsletter.